0: Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 84. I'm your host, Derek Moore. Today, we're going to be talking about why Netflix is not making you broke. I'll get to the meaning of that title later, but uh, personal finance. I mean, a lot of people look at companies and companies keep balance sheets. There's all sorts of ratios. There are ways to compute whether a company has too much debt what their cash flow is and everything. But what about doing it on your own? And I have to be honest with you. You know, a lot of people know they should probably budget. They should probably know what their net worth is. But it's too hard. And one of the reasons why it gets too hard is is because a lot of people make it too complicated. And in my experience, when it's too complicated, you're just not going to do it. And so, you know, a lot of people do have the ability to do, let's say, an Excel, you know, Excel spreadsheet and pull in data from different places and do all sorts of calculations. And you know, it, if you did nothing less, imagine if you just had one bank account and all your stuff came out of that one bank account. You could look at you know, what your after-tax income was last year, uh, look at the bank account at the end of the year, you know, the prior year, and then the end of you know, this year, so like, you know, hey, what was what was the assets in there in 2019? And then look at the assets in there 2020. Look at that difference and look at what you brought home in after-tax income. And that's pretty much what you spent, right? Because uh, it's a difference. But I think you want a little bit something more than that. So give you a little tip, a couple tips on how to simplify this, some ways to look at it. Um, And then it's not Netflix. It's not, uh, you know, these little things that are not having you get ahead or causing issues. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that later. So the first thing is, if all you did was you wanted to calculate your net worth, you're going to add up all of the stuff that has value. So all of your assets and subtract it from all your liabilities, and that's your net worth. But it's a little bit more complicated than that, but not too complicated. Because we'll talk about what really is an asset, what is a liability. And assets could be anything from cash that you have. It could be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, anything like that. A house, although there's some people debate whether a house is an asset or a liability. I think it's actually both. And you also can look at other types of assets. So when you look at assets and you look at them and you say, okay, what, what can I actually write down on that column? Well, the first thing is uh, anything that's cash or cash-like, uh, your stocks, all your investments, those types of things. Now, those are going to change. But if you look at, and we'll, we'll put these into liquid versus non-liquid, and by liquid, I mean, what are things that you could actually... They're cash or near cash. So if you needed to generate cash, could you sell your stocks? Yeah. You could sell your stocks and, you know, in a few days, the the trade would clear, trade date plus three business days, and the money would be good. You could sell a mutual fund. You could sell bonds. So although they're not technically, you know, if we were doing this on a corporation, uh, short term assets would be things that are near cash or could very quickly be turned into cash. Um, but, you know, for your purposes, I think you can you can look at those things. So that's, that's fairly easy. It's the assets. Um, and by the way, do you have to have access to the money? That's another good question. So in other words, do you, can you only do, let's say, if you had a brokerage account and you wanted to have, uh, can I only look at, uh, you know, taxable money, meaning like a joint account or a single account? Or can I look at retirement accounts or 401Ks? Well, I would say from the asset standpoint, you should do both. Whether or not you can have access to the money is a different story. Uh, but yeah, add up all, all your retirement accounts, your 401K, all the stuff that you, you own. So cash investments, that's fairly straightforward. Uh, your liabilities, okay, if you have a mortgage, that's going to be you know certainly a liability, If you've got, uh, you know, an outstanding car loan, yeah, that's going to be a liability. So anything that you, you owe money on. Now, this is different than your payments. And we'll get to that when we think about cash flow. But what's the stuff that you owe money on? And that's going to be, that's a current liability. And by the way, every time, let's say if you have, You know, your mortgage payment was $2,000 and you took money out of your checking account to pay that. Well, your assets would go down by $2,000, but your liabilities would go down by $2,000 as well. Um, And so, yeah, you want to look at all those types of things. So far, you're like, well, this is pretty simple, right? It is. Um, One of the nuances, though, is when we get to, you know, some people do these budgeting things and they do net worth calculations and they're putting their garden gnome collection, their plastic pink flamingo collection in their uh, old baseball cards. And this is where it gets a little bit tougher. So should you include those things? Maybe, maybe. And part of the issue is things that are liquid. And, and by the way, you know, a, a house is not necessarily liquid. If you want to sell your home, you've got to list it. You've got to find a buyer. Anyone who's ever sold a house knows that it can be days and you'd be really happy to sell your house in a matter of days. But anyone who's sold a house before knows, depending upon the market, you might have to wait months. And so your house is sort of semi-liquid, but it's not necessarily as liquid as, um, you know, cash or or stocks, right? Uh, But, you know, we think about liquid versus non-liquid. So a house, I would say... Not exactly liquid. It's not exactly illiquid either. It's just you might it might take some time to to turn that asset in, into cash. Uh, but where this gets a little bit tricky is, you know, let's say you've got a, a baseball card collection, and I don't know if anyone's ever tried to sell baseball cards, even when you know at the height of the the late 1980s, early 90s, when baseball cards were thought to only go up in value, uh, we learned different. We learned uh, that's not exactly the case. But if you have, let's say, a collection, a stamp collection or a baseball card collection or other stuff, you know, that's that's illiquid. And it's illiquid because you have to find a buyer. And the other reason why it's illiquid or a little bit tough to value is you might look at, let's say, let's stick with baseball cards for a second. Um, there used to be something called the Beckett's Monthly Baseball Card Guide. And it was a pricing guide. And if you had baseball cards, you'd go in the guide and you'd look up, you know, here's uh, I don't know, Don Mattingly or Dwight Gooden or whoever's rookie card. And you'd look at it from month to month and say, okay, that's what they're valuing it at. But here's the thing. If you're actually going to sell it, you're probably not going to get what that value is. And the reason is uh, the person who's buying that either has to, you know, really be interested in it or if there's someone who wants to then take that asset and then sell it themselves, well, they have to build in a margin. And that's why if you ever watch that, uh, what's the show on is it the History Channel, where the pawn shop and people come in with stuff and he says, hey, I think it's worth 5000 The guy says, well, I'll give you two. Well, he has to build a margin in there because he wants to take that and then flip it and sell it. So I would caution people on on putting those types of assets on your personal balance sheet. And sure, if you've got an Onus Wagner rookie card that's worth, you know, whatever it is these days, that's one thing. But again, you'd have to actually dispose of the asset uh, to realize it. So that's that's an important thing. And I joked around, you know, your pink flamingo collection or your garden gnome collection. Um, now you're getting into a, a niche. I don't know if people collect pink lawn ornament Flamingos, but so yeah, I mean it, it's uh, when you're writing down your assets and your liabilities, easy ones, stocks, cash, bonds, mutual funds, all that type of stuff uh, include taxable, non-taxable accounts. Uh, your the equity in a home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not necessarily liquid, but if you're just doing net worth, yeah, the equity in the home. And this is important too. I've noticed people using Zillow. And you have to be realistic about this. Like what Zillow has your home at may not necessarily be what you can actually sell it for. So you might have to estimate this a little bit because you really don't know until you would list the the house for sale whether or not you could sell it for what you think you can. Okay, so um, what about a car? Well, in theory, a car is an asset, but in in reality, it's a depreciating asset. And this is where you're going to make your life Sort of um, a little bit difficult, so I wouldn't necessarily put my car as an asset. Um, when we get to cash flows. Obviously, if you have a car loan, that's something you know that's it's a an interest payment. It's part of you know your cash flow estimation. If you've got a, a car loan, that's that's a, a liability. But if you put down your car as an asset, you're going to always be trying to change the value. And by the way. Again, you you don't realize any any value in that asset unless you were to sell it. So, uh, cars and and that's definitely a depreciating asset. Um, by the way, a lot of people say too, it's easier to see, you know, is car is a car an asset or is it a liability? Well, I, I think cars are. Um, I mean, if you need a car, right? The decision is what type of car, how expensive a car. Uh, those types of things, but a car. I would say, you know, if the minute you own a car, you need to put gas in it. You need to do oil changes. Uh, you need to have maintenance and things like that. So it's kind of like if you if you have a house with a pool, the minute you acquire the house, you're <laughs> the time uh, the clock starts ticking on uh, having to do different maintenance and upkeep on on the pool, not to mention cleaning it. So the interesting one though is is a house an asset or a liability? I would say it's both. I could give you a house tomorrow, but immediately you're going to have taxes due. You're going to have utilities. You'll have different things to break. Uh, maybe you have to, you know, fix things. You um, redo the, the kitchen or things like that. So um, it is something, you know, if you have equity in the house, it is equity. It can go on your balance sheet. But at the same time, uh, it's interesting because... And there's this whole debate whether you should rent or buy. Um, and that's a really interesting discussion. I might do a, uh, uh, an episode just on that because there's so much meat there to, to kind of go over. But I think a house is both. Um, so if, if you own a house, anyone who's owned a house knows that it, it can be a liability. Wait till your air conditioners go out and you need a new AC or the roof all of a sudden needs repairing. There's all sorts of things. And that goes into uh, long term and short term, uh, short, short, long term and short term uh, cash flow. So, I think uh, assets liability is good to do. Don't make it over complicated. What, what do you own? What do you owe? Net it out, and and that's what you have. Now, when we think about cash flow, cash flow is interesting. So, the way to do this is you can take a look at your, you know, your after tax income. So if your income is somewhat stable and tax rates haven't changed, you have a fairly good idea about what your your end net is going to be after the taxes are owed. And by the way, you might get a tax refund, right, if you over over contribute to the IRS. But generally, it's, you know, whatever your salary is, you don't get 100% of that. There's some taxes that you owe. Depending upon the state, it could be a lot more. Like if you live in New Jersey, New York, California, some of the other ones. But so it's your after-tax income, any other income that you get. And so let's say you have dividend income. Okay, that could be something. If you uh, are doing a, you know, a second job somewhere, okay, that's income. That's part of your, uh, if you have a side hustle and you think you can, you know, doing something on the side, yeah, that's all income. So after-tax income. And, you know, by the way, if, if you're... Keeping dividends, let's say dividends come in and you're not removing those from your brokerage account and, you know, using those, I wouldn't necessarily count dividends because that will that will get built into your, uh, your net worth. Um, and only if you were to take that out, it's a cash flow. But it, it's sort of people in retirement might look more at dividends. They might look at Social Security, any income they still have, and then dividends as part of income. So that's, that's fairly straightforward. And then what you have to do is look at the big stuff first. Don't start trying to do every little thing that you, you pay each month. And so the big stuff, what's that? It's a mortgage, it's rent, it's a car loan. uh, Those, you know, those types of things. Those are the, the big ones. And so my advice here is if you, Just take out a legal pad. doesn't have to be a legal pad. It could be just something. And start to list out your your monthly expenses. And then obviously if they're monthly, you total them up and wind up with an annual expense. And then you can move on to some of the, the smaller stuff. And that might be gym memberships. It might be, you know, other things that you pay for. And these are all, you know, I think it's a good exercise to go through. And even if using a credit card for a lot of stuff, your bank statement, look at the credit card. You might forget that you subscribe to some bread of the month club. I don't know if there is such a thing. I don't, I don't think there is. But you keep getting stuff every month and you're like, I don't even remember signing up for that. Or you, or you signed up for a digital subscription and it was the, you know, a dollar a month for three months and then it starts billing you at $30 a month and you probably forgot about it. So regardless, this is a really good exercise to go through. So what you want to do is come up with the the monthly amount. And some things only bill quarterly. So if it only bills quarterly, that's fine too. But eventually, you net all this out into an annual expense. And then you figure out, you know, you can divide back by 12 to get, um, you know, your monthly number. And this is, uh, the other thing here is, you know, companies, we refer to some companies as zombie companies. And the zombie companies, when their interest payments on their debt is greater than their net income. And so obviously, if your interest payments, if if all your liabilities, um, your monthly, I shouldn't say liabilities, but your monthly expenses are higher than what you're making, well then eventually, uh, assuming that you have to draw down your assets first, uh, it's going to erode your assets that you have, like stocks and bonds and things like that. Uh, But if if your monthly stuff, if you're spending more than you're taking in, you can only go, go so far until you burn through your assets and not to mention the ability to save and invest. So, and I kind of joked around and the title of this podcast is Netflix is not making you broke. One of the things that is interesting is um, a lot of folks who who do this exercise, they go through and, and you should list out everything. There's probably stuff that you can cancel, like the, you know, the bread of the month. Again, I don't, no idea. It's, it's probably a horrible business idea. Maybe it's a good a business idea somebody's actually doing that. But it's it's not the Netflix subscription that's that's the you know getting in the way of sort of building wealth and, and adding money to accounts. It's more often it's the big stuff. And so if you're looking and this is actually what the the people in the fire movement, F-I-R-E, which is uh, financial independence retire early. Um, people who are in that movement try and get rid of every expense that they can, invest as much as they can of their paychecks. And their idea is, you know, if they're 30, they want to do it for 10 or 15 years and then retire or do it for 10 years. And there's all sorts of stories out there. So that's sort of an extreme example. But the thing you have to remember is that um, car payments and whether or not you keep a car, Getting another car, that's a big expense, especially when you, you factor in the insurance, the taxes, uh, different things like that. And then obviously the where you live, whether you're renting, whether you're owning, that could be a, a big thing. Now, the other thing I'll tell you is we talked about illiquid versus liquid. It's it's a very liquid decision to cancel Netflix it's not a liquid decision to sell your house and downsize and, and get something cheaper, all right? So, this takes, um, this is one of those things to, to sort of keep in mind. Um, are you, you know, if you say, well, my car payment's $500, what if I got a different car and went down to $300? Okay, yeah, that's, um, you could sell your car, or you could, you know, if it's, it's a lease, uh, come to the end to lease, you could turn it back in. House, obviously, if you if you want to reduce your mortgage, if interest rates went down, uh, you could potentially refinance that mortgage. But these are things that, um, you know, a lot of people, those are decisions that are very big decisions, and it's tougher than just getting rid of the gym membership or getting rid of the $50 gym membership and going to, you know, the $20 gym membership. But to give you an idea, let's say that you were, oh, I don't know, let's say you had a $600 a month car payment. And just understand, you know, obviously if you need a car, you need a car, right? I'm not saying this isn't necessarily a fire podcast where how to go without a car, use Uber and things like that. But I just want you to understand the what it means on a monthly basis from an investment standpoint. So let's say you you got rid of your $600 a month car and you went to a $300 a month car. Okay? I'm sure you could buy a car for cash. But let's just go with that. So in essence, you're saving $300. Well, just to throw some math out there, if let's say over the next five years, you spent three instead of six, and you're going to assume, let's say you you get about a 7.2% annualized growth rate. It's a, it's an estimate, right? No idea what the, the market's going to do. And it depends on what you're putting it in and things like that. I just want to give you some numbers. So over five years, if you invested $300 a month and you assume, you know, a little over a 7% annualized growth rate, after five years, the math says you'd have, you know, close to $22,000, assuming all those things, right? Um, And so when you think about it, you could, just assuming those things, um, this is an interesting decision point. So you could say, well, I want the $600 a month car. And at the end of five years, you know, uh, you don't have the difference in those funds that you would have invested, or you could do the three hundred la car. And at the end of five years, you actually could um, could have at least in our math, you know, let's say twenty one, twenty two thousand. If you got that, um, let's say you didn't get seven percent, right? Just to be fair here, uh, let's say you only got you know four percent or something like that. Well. Uh, you're not going to have 21. You'll have uh, uh, much less. Whoop, I put in four, you know, a little under 20,000 there, about 19,900. So that's sort of when you frame the decision like that, where you say, okay. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you rationalize Say, well, it's, you know, $600. Why don't we just go 700 It's only another 100 bucks a month or, um, that's sort of the idea of had you put that money into investments? It could have grown, it could have compounded and, but it, it's just the decision that you make. And so what I would say is focus on a lot of the big things. Netflix is not causing you not to have higher net worth necessarily. If there's a lot of little things, you could probably add those up. Um, and it would be a, a you know, good idea to get rid of some of those subscriptions that you you thought you needed and you didn't, um, some, some service that you forgot you even had. You know, the other thing too is that uh, we talked about that illiquid stuff. And, you know, I joked around about the garden gnomes and, you know, the baseball cards and things like that. Why not though, take a look around your house and see, do you have an old cell phone? Do you have an old camera that you're not using. It's just in a drawer or, or on a shelf somewhere. Why not try and sell that? And I guess, you know, eBay, what is their offer up? Uh, Craigslist, right? And any, any number of things. But why not take that? Why not take that asset that might be a depreciating asset that you're not using and do a little, uh, I guess we're getting, it's a fall now, fall cleaning. So what if you... You know, what if you could sell an old cell phone for a 100 bucks, right? Well, you are like, okay. Well, what if you could take that $100 and you put it into, um, you know, an investment, a mutual fund or whatever it is? Well, 20 years, if you get, you know, a little over 7%, that $100 is, you know, compounds and grows and will actually double and then double again you know, about $400. Again, no no, some, no, idea what the market's going to do, right? But um, the point is you you could take an asset that's just lying around and turn into, you know, more of a, a liquid asset. And if you're not using it, why not? And plenty of people have tons of stuff laying around the house. They could actually uh, go and, and uh, you know, put up on eBay or something. So anyway, um, I get questions about this. And I thought, you know, a lot of people don't do this because it gets a little complicated. If you're someone who's really good with Excel and you do spreadsheets and you link stuff, yeah, absolutely. But the reality is a lot of people don't even know what their net worth is. And they may not even know what their cash flow is. No idea what comes in, goes out. Not to mention if you have uh, you know, any sort of credit card balance and you're paying really high interest rates there. So hopefully this was helpful, and the whole goal of this is just to make you think. Uh, Grab a piece of paper, write it down, get rid of some stuff, think about the types of assets that you have, uh, liquid versus illiquid assets. And by the way, if you look around your house, you might find some stuff and throw it into an investment account. And if nothing else, maybe it grows a little bit and you turn that into vacation money or something like that. So uh, like I always say, though, uh, please, uh, rather than wasting time rating or reviewing, share this episode with someone, uh, especially if you know someone who's been like, oh, yeah, I should probably budget or I don't even know what I'm spending. It's Just a really easy way to look at it. Uh, but I appreciate all the, the questions. Uh, keep them coming. Uh, you can go to razorwealth.com and use the contact me. Uh, a lot of these episodes are listener suggestions. And I appreciate the suggestions. I'll have him return them into, uh, into a show. So uh, without further ado, have a great week. Take care.